The Second Vatican Council had discussions about what eventually became Lumen Gentium 29, uh, which said, yeah, we'll ordain men, including married men, as deacons. We will retain the requirement for, for celibacy for unmarried men who become deacons. But it was about the word, the liturgy, and charity. And so in 1972, the Cursus Honorum, the stages or steps, if you will, on the way to priesthood, was collapsed. And uh, the tonsure uh, requirement was, was dropped. And the blessing uh, to the lay ministries of porter, lector, exorcist, and acolyte were collapsed into the two instituted lay ministries of lector and acolyte. The subdiaconate was suppressed, and the ministries of the subdiaconate absorbed by the acolyte. And the diaconate was restored as a permanent vocation. To this point, by now, we have about 47,000 uh, deacons living a permanent vocation uh, as deacon in the world. Most of these men are married, uh, about 4% are not. A very minor percent belong to religious institutes or orders. And and so we go on. But at, at the Second Vatican Council, there were two bishops, one from Italy and one from Peru, who said actually two different things. One said we need to restore the diaconate for women as a monastic practice, and the other said we need to restore the diaconate for women as a social service practice. So you'd, you'd almost have saying one saying, well, we need religious women deacons and we need uh, secular women deacons. That didn't go anyplace. And uh, an interesting uh, point is during the conversations at the Second Vatican II, the Maronite bishop from the United States, uh, and I was told this by his secretary, kept saying, well, women deacons are not a big deal in the Maronite tradition. You know, why don't we just have men and women, women deacons? But that never got to the floor and it never went anyplace. So uh, I think they felt it was enough to have the diaconate as a permanent vocation for men at that time. So here we are today. There is a push in Ireland, not a big one. I don't know if the bishops are terribly moved by it. And my deeper part of me likes to think it's because they realize that they can't ordain women to the diaconate. So it looks terrible. And it really does for a lot of women. What are the reasons? And you've done all the studies. Are there any reasons why a bishop couldn't say, I am going to have uh, deacons in my parish and I will have women ordained? Are there any canonical or theological reasons why that can't be? I don't think there are any theological reasons. Right now, the new book six of canon law uh, calls it a grave delict to ordain uh, a woman anything. Uh, When the new book six was uh, presented in Rome, the canon lawyer uh, bishop who was presenting it was asked, what about women deacons? He said, well, if the teaching changes, then the law will change. But the fact of the matter is there's no teaching against women in the diaconate. There is teaching against uh, women in the priesthood, and there's controversy about whether that is uh, infallible or not. But that's not my study. In any event, it's a practice. It's a practice that I think could be resumed very simply with a simple motu proprio. But for that reason, I think when... Uh, motu proprio is what the Pope would <coughs> pronounce, isn't that right? On, he does it on his own accord. And that's what he did when he changed canon law to mm-hmm. say that any lay person could be installed to the lay ministry of 
lector or acolyte. And that's a very big deal, actually. Mm. So Pope Francis did this quite recently, isn't it? He did. I don't have the year in my head, but it wasn't that long ago. And it was in response to the 2019 Amazon Synod, Mm. which actually nine of 12 language groups asked for women deacons. And he responded by saying, you know, the, the gauntlet has been thrown down, I will pick it up. And I will add a few people to the commission, the commission that I was on that met between 2016 and 2018. And then, of course, we didn't hear anything about it. And then on the 8th of April in 2020, he named 10 new people to a different commission, which met twice. It met in September of 2021, and it met in July of 2022. So nothing has come out so far. Why is that? I mean, when I listen to you and I hear you, it didn't take us very long to establish certain facts that you've done all the work on and it's been there. <laughs> Why the long time before somebody can make a very simple decision? Well, you know, I think, uh, if I may, uh, doing something like that in the church is kind of like turning an aircraft carrier and you have to do it very slowly. His response, uh, Great Amazonia, which I actually wrote about in the Jesuit Journal of Studies, His response was yes to lectors, yes to acolytes. And the yes to lectors was very interesting because a previous synod in 2008 asked for women to be installed as lectors. But he also said something very interesting. He he said he kind of didn't respond directly about women in the diaconate. What he did speak about was what's called Canon 5. One seven paragraph two parish life coordinators and as I've said often sometimes when I'm not quite sure I would quite understand what he's saying I have to believe that he knows what he's doing I think it's brilliant because looking specifically in Central and South America in the Amazonia specifically there are many women specifically women religious already running parishes mm-hmm. and what he said was make this a, a public permanent appointment and by implication pay them and give them professional status. And then the vocation to the diaconate is a separate question. So I found that tied with the question uh, from the Great Amazonia about ordaining married men, specifically married deacons, as priests. Because as you must intuit, if a priest shows up on the horizon, all of a sudden he's the one in charge. And I think what the Holy Father is trying to do is change the church structure from a triangle to a circle to understand that... um, the priest has the has his work, and the the deacon has his, hopefully her work. The parish life coordinator has a different role in managing the crowd. We have instituted catechists now, instituted lectors, instituted acolytes, and it makes the church more open, where more people can participate, more people are involved. Um, certainly in decision making, in leadership, in management, uh, and in ministry. So if the sister who has been running the parish is now appointed as parish life coordinator. That's separate from her perhaps wish or non-wish to be a deacon. And if she wishes to be a deacon, fine, that's that's okay too. But the point is he's focusing on parish life coordinator before he's focusing on the ordination. And, and I think that really connects, in my mind at least, to the way Canon 129 was written in 1983 Code of Canon Law, because that canon, which actually was written by uh, Joseph Ratzinger uh, exactly, uh, only one comma is different from what he proposed, that canon says that by virtue of ordination, priests are qualified for governance 
And the second paragraph, that 129 paragraph two says, and lay people may cooperate, can't share. And that was Mm -hmm. the big fight. Can women share or or lay people share? But going back to the first paragraph, simply by ordination, one is qualified. And then the second one, lay people can only cooperate. I think that is where the bone of contention is in the various uh, synodal discussions today, because I think it's quite obvious around the world that by virtue of ordination, men do not automatically become managers. Mm. And uh, uh, they may be wonderful celebrants and wonderful preachers and wonderful priests, Mm. but they're not necessarily managers. And that's where we return to Canon 517, paragraph 2, with uh, parish life coordinators who are basically the managers. Is it then the O word? Is it ordination? At the kernel of it, if there wasn't an ordination to the diaconate, it probably wouldn't be a problem because it's this, it seems to me, I'm trying to understand it, it's just this neuralgia around women becoming priests and everything that goes along with that because at the moment, whether we like it or not, it's the triangle and it's the hierarchical institutional church of which priesthood is a really important part because from there you can be a bishop and from there you can be pope, unlike all those years ago in history when you said a deacon could become a pope without being ordained a priest. And that's not the way it is anymore. And so women are really left all the time. It's, it is quite insulting, I think, for many women. I was told by an official of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith that women cannot image Christ which happens to be heretical, but that is the underlying argument for women not to be able to be ordained in persona Christi Servi in the person of Christ the servant. And uh, it is totally disconnected from any Catholic theology. It is certainly not evident in any Orthodox understanding of the diaconate. Um, the Orthodox are much more understanding that women can be ordained as deacons, and uh, they have a much deeper history of women ordained as deacons. Has our church, has the, has the Roman Catholic Church said anything about women deacons who are uh, operating in the Eastern Orthodox? No, I keep asking. Uh, you know, they don't. And it's a very interesting thing, because if they accept them as being ordained, then why not us? And if they don't accept them as being ordained, then they're insulting the Orthodox. And uh, you do find uh, that certainly in the Armenian tradition, we have Mother Hipsami. uh, She celebrated at the Eucharist. She was a deacon in New Jersey, in the United States, publicly. The Armenian tradition is known to have uh, women deacons. Uh, Recently in Africa, a bishop ordained, I think about five women as deacons, and now the question is whether they were ordained as subdeacons or deacons. But what I find most interesting, actually, is the Maronite tradition, which the Maronites uh, never left the Catholic Church. So the Maronites are an Eastern Catholic Church, and in the uh, Holy Synod of Mount Lebanon, the middle of the 18th century, they had their synod and had their canons, and there are two interesting canons. One is Bishop you may ordain a woman a deacon, and number two, bishop, this is what they do. And those canons were taken to Rome by a man named Joseph Azamani, and they were approved in forma specifica. They were approved just as they are by the Pope. 
So we actually have Catholic canons that allow the ordination of women as deacons. It's, it's, to me, it's a practice that can be resumed, and it's gotten all fouled up with the discussion about uh, priesthood for women, mm. uh, which does not apply. There has never been a, any kind of a document about women in the diaconate. Mm. And the first document about women priests, uh, Inter and Signores, 1976, says you can't ordain women as priests because of authority, that Jesus chose males, and secondly, the iconic argument that there must be a so-called natural resemblance. Well, the next document, Ordinatio Sacerdotalis in 1994, drops the iconic argument, uh, rightfully so, and only says the argument from authority. The Church feels it does not have the authority to ordain women as priests. And now Pope Francis is talking along the Urs von Balthasar line of men having certain characteristics and women having the other and they're complementary. I mean, it's it's a mess, really. I don't know who's giving him that. I, that's kind of a discredited uh, mm-hmm. discussion. The question of uh, the natural resemblance uh, in sacramental theology, I last time I looked, I was a human being, and that, that is the uh, important part. Uh, of ordination and of any any sacrament that uh, any Christian uh, is eligible for any sacrament except where impeded by natural or ecclesiastical law and I don't see any natural law mm. impeding me being ordained to serve in persona Christi Servi as I said before in the person of Christ the servant and it, it's too bad yeah. uh, that that's going around <laughs> 